Hello podcast family, welcome to episode 37 and what a pleasure it is to be here with you today. For today's episode, I sat down with the wonderful Kat Long in her beautiful light-filled office here in Newcastle. You'll also notice that we're surrounded by construction on all sides, so my apologies if that comes through in the audio. However, we got to dive into everything around her career journey from life in corporate and, and agency life as well, moving to the kitchen bench when she launched her brand Long Co about three and a half years ago. Now Long & Co is described as a small brand and marketing company with big expertise. They solve problems in a strategic and impactful way through Kat's experience with global brands in Suisseet marketing roles and studying MBA at one of Australia's top universities. The ANCO, if you're wondering, is a team of experts that she draws on to build out her strategies as would a traditional agency and share Longco's one rebellious belief, the moment a small or mid-sized business steps out from the crowd, great things can be achieved. And by focusing on driving the right results, your destiny is sealed. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Our conversation ranges from the scary moments of starting a small business to drawing on her incredible Scandinavian heritage in her work, juggling mum life and what flexibility has meant for her in having a business, the importance of clarity in why and how you do what you do. We also talk a little bit about navigating your relationship when you have a business as well. So for those of you that are feeling all of the things as you're making a career change, this is going to be a really great episode for you. I love Kat's straight up thoughtful approach to both work and life and for those perfectionists out there, I want to finish off this introduction by saying Kat's advice is you need to just be a little forgiving on yourself. This process won't happen overnight. Be generous with yourself, be generous with the timeframes, and most importantly, have a little compassion because starting a small business, going out on your own is no mean feat, especially while you're raising uh, three children as she is. So without further ado, I want to welcome Kat Long onto the podcast, and this is episode 37 of True To You. This is the True To You podcast, your very own work bestie. Each week, we come together for honest conversations about reinventing yourself and your career, all while navigating a path towards meaningful work. I'm your host, Ruby Marsh. Let's do this. Kat and I 
had a chance meeting through uh, a mutual friend who recommended that we should connect and yeah, we just hit it off. We couldn't stop talking. So we're going to, <laughs> we're going to podcast today and do an episode together because I know that Kat has a huge wealth of knowledge that she's sitting on through years of experience in her field and felt like this knowledge could really apply to anyone across the spectrum, whether they've been in business for a while, they're contemplating starting something, you'll be able to take something away from what Kat shares today. So thank you, Kat, for oh, saying thank yes. you for having me. Uh, so the first thing I love to get into is learning a little bit about your career journey, um, how you came to be in Newcastle because you're not Newcastle born and bred, and just that journey, what's that looked like to now starting your, well, you've had your own business for a while, but moving into this beautiful space that we're recording in. And Aww. Yeah. Um, well, I am actually Scandinavian, so um, born and raised in Norway, came to Newcastle in 1999, which, yeah, I am 100 years old. <laughs> um, came to study at uni, met my husband at the pub, we fell in love. Um, we couldn't um, stay together because of visa reasons. He flew over to Norway to hang out with me because I was finished studying. He didn't um, have the permits to stay, so he's like, hey, should we get married? And that's 18 years ago. Wow. Um, yeah. So um, we were living over there and then came back to Australia um, to study more. So I've just done lots and lots of study. That's a yeah. big part of me. <laughs> that's a big part of my story. Um, passionate about communication, actually. Um, so I studied, studied journalism at undergrad and uh, went into business, kind of into business studies, and then went back and did communication at master level, but then got a job in advertising, so kind of back into yeah. business side again. So I've sort of like spanned the two disciplines of communication and business, mm -hmm. and I think that's really... Um, that is really the, the sum of my experience, is just spending those two things. Yes. And um, I guess that's been a little bit lucky because at the moment there's a big um, surge in storytelling. So mm. really trying to use stories and communication to build and um, drive a business forward. So it's been fortuitous. Yes, yes. And storytelling uh, is something that builds trust and I think uh, I, I know just through this, the little marketing that I do for my business that uh, people are a bit smarter than they used to be. It takes a lot more to build someone's trust and uh, advertising, marketing, it's all, it's all changing. And yeah, it's become a lot more sophisticated, mm. which I welcome. Um, and also being um, from another country and having a little bit of a different lens on things little bit more of a global kind of you know view um, Australia hasn't been hasn't been a leader in that mm. field um, but it's really good to see that um, brands and companies in Australia now are really valuing something that's more authentic and more real and more connecting than shouting at people and you know talking down to people 
Yeah, I'm interested to know, this is just a little bit of a segue, but countries that have embraced storytelling as part of their culture, probably in your culture, I know a lot of uh, fairy tales mm-hmm. come from mm-hmm. Scandinavia uh, and Northern Europe and things like that. It was It was a way of passing down information, news, things like that through families or cultures. Do you think cultures, uh, Europe or um, wherever it might be, have been able to embrace that a little bit uh, quicker or a little bit easier because mm-hmm. it's part of their culture? Is that something That's an interesting you perspective? Yeah, yeah. whereas Australia is like yeah. a melting pot. So, yeah. yeah. Could be something to it. I think one of the guiding principles, at least for Scandinavians, is this concept of honesty. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think that sort of really honest way of being and living um, has lent itself to connecting more with people and then sort of using, I guess, stories and, you know, just um, being real and putting yourself out there um, as a way of connecting, maybe more so than what I sort of experienced mm. Australians. Mm. So I would meet Australians that were super nice and would be like, hi, love, and, you know, thanks, style and, you know, super nice, but not really connecting. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so maybe something more on the value side of things that maybe lends itself more to storytelling. Mm. Um, Mm. Maybe something yeah. like that. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> so, uh, how long has Long & Co. existed? Oh, so um, three and a half years ago, um, I decided to leave my corporate career. Yeah. So, after doing lots of study at uni, including then also an MBA, so it's just wow. crazy, <laughs> crazy town. And not that I'm like any sort of, you know, but I was definitely kind of raised in a generation where education was the ticket to, to ride. Um, so, I uh, worked in corporate roles after having worked in advertising to try and get sort of round off my experience mm. and kind of add a little bit more of a commercial lens to things, mm. a little bit more intelligent than just you know, the advertising girl. <laughs> Man, <laughs> it, nothing that, yeah, like I love this world, but yeah. also being able to go, okay, this is actually going to move product and like make money. Um, so having worked in corporate and sort of, you know, working nine to five or sometimes like eight to six thirty, but, um, Working for the man didn't really mm. do it for me. I knew that, you know, if I really wanted to um, be the architect of my own happiness, then um, starting my own business was um, definitely my path. I had so much fear around that. I was thinking about it probably for three or four years before I wow. did it. Okay. And of course, you know, I wish that I'd just done it like, you know, at that first point but it took me time to get there I have a family you know like you needed to have the finances to do it the confidence to do it and maybe the you know the frustration enough frustration to just kind of like catapult yourself into it um so three and a half years ago I started on the kitchen bench and um I'm in a small space in King Street now which is really cute but I could honestly like um, such a small team so Long is me Catherine Long mm-hmm. Cat Long and then End Co is anyone I bring into it so mm-hmm. I work with people that have got you know they might have an office down in King Street or they might be based on the central coast we use this as a base but 
um, would like a small outfit and mm. I could have easily probably worked on the kitchen bench mm. today. Mm. <laughs> yes, yes. I think that's really something and a couple of things in that, that you said. Uh, one I'd love to go back to is your family valuing education and I know that's something true of my parents because they went to university really late and of their generation a lot of if you were uh, not an, an A student in their generation, you weren't going to university. It, you were doing a trade, you were becoming, a, my mum became a nurse, you know, and later in life she pursued uh, study. But is it like that growing up in Scandinavia, was that like that for your parents' generation in Scandinavia or was always education being mm. valued no matter what level you were at? Because I know when I got into high school, it was just suddenly assumed that all my friends were all going to university yeah it was definitely a big group thing Mm. um so my mum studied late in life as well um she had kids um early and then kind of went through night school and really worked hard and you know growing up I just remember her sitting in her home office at night studying in some ways that was really inspiring and in other ways it was really frustrating because I couldn't get access to (laughs) to her um, as much as I wanted but um, I think for me education was really a ticket um, out of where I was Ah, so um, I grew up in Shan which is a little town in um, Norway with maybe 40,000 people, yeah. um, so two hours southeast of Oslo. Yeah. Um, and it's really a place without too much prospect, and that's I feel like I say that with love because you can certainly have a beautiful life there, but I felt at that time like that was not a place that you could succeed. So I used university to get out of my hometown and, in fact, out of my whole country. Yes, <laughs> yes. And, and, so, and took it so far as to fall in love with Australians. So, so crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's definitely education has been such a, um, a great journey for me because mm. also when I was at uni, I used that as a real, you know, student lifestyle. We used to be at the pub all the time, you know. I wasn't like an Australian student that was you know, just swung past campus to pick up, like, you know, a few lectures. I was there at Bar on the Hill and all the different clubs. It was such a fun time too. Yeah. Um, But I do really value education and I see it as a – it really helped me at least Mm. set myself up. Mm. Mm. And giving you the choices and putting you in the position, I I guess, now that – you have that higher level knowledge that allows you to connect with some of those big clients that you work with, uh, which maybe if you didn't have the MBA and that understanding of where their marketing budget is going uh, at a dollars and cents level. That's true. I think there's definitely a brand element to a piece of paper Mm. um, for education. So... Um, and rightly or wrongly, yeah. um, having studied it, you know, at big universities, University of New South Wales, and you, that sort of somehow matters mm. to um, people in business. And mm. I think in some ways that's going to change. Mm. Um, mm. So while I really value the education I have and do think that it's taught me to think 
um, and learn and be resilient because it's so excruciating mm. at times. Mm. Um, I also think you can definitely get there without education and a lot of things now are available online mm. like I google half the stuff that yeah. I need to figure out you know yeah, like so it's true. all online <laughs> yeah that's yeah, um it's really changing and do you think that that is uh having that in the back of your mind knowing your story and how it's played out for you but now with three children mm. and raising them uh there's even more opportunities have opened up and do you think uh you want the same path for them as you've had or are you a little more open-minded I would say more open-minded so I wasn't even you know going back to the group think I wasn't even thinking that not studying was an option you know and now I'm talking to my kids about um, you know you have lots of options and also really taking your time with deciding your path so, you know, enrolling in a Bachelor of Business, you don't have to be a genius to do that. That's mm. what I did, you know, mm. it was just the easy kind of, you know, run-of-the-mill course. Um, but if you sort of wait a little bit and really try and find what your passion is and your sort of purpose and then study that. Now, I was lucky because I have landed in the right mm. spot. Mm. But I think a lot of people um, end up in careers because they thought that they needed to go there for their parents or yes. for yeah other yeah other people yeah that's cool that's really cool to hear uh in looking in the, the, at this transition into uh kitchen table <laughs> in the last three years to moving into your own space is there any really scary moments about that that you want to share <laughs> so many scary moments yeah. like going the, the first scary moment was going from corporate being paid every month mm. to um taking the leap so I did that through I started kind of consulting on the side okay. um, so I had a little bit of income coming in anyway from the get-go and then it was just a lot of hustling like heaps of hustling mm. and you know that real hunger and you know fear can be a real motivator mm. and a real driver mm. um, so that sort of leap into my own business was hugely um, scary and also I'm not a big risk taker okay so um, it was really it took me time to get there and I needed to have a few things in place to do it. Yeah. Um, others like so many other scary moments. you're putting yourself out there really into the world, which yeah. is really scary. yeah and you're worried about people judging you and you know in some ways going, oh no, like oh really? you know but then being kind of quietly like you feel like it's like are you excited or are you just like, holy shit? What are you doing? So, um, yeah, putting yourself out there can be super scary. The judgment that you're thinking maybe other people have of you that, you know, probably isn't there because no one really cares mm. at the end of the day. Like, mm. no, they've got their own worries, but that's, like, plays on your mind. Mm. And then opening an office, people go, ooh, you know, you're Fancy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at this. And it's like, it's still just me. Yeah. Like, I pull it, it's, nothing has changed. Yeah. Don't expect anything yeah. too much, which is, um, again, just fear-driven, but trying to use that as a motivator. Yeah. And what then, on the flip side of that, has been the most rewarding, most exciting moments mm. in making a sleep? Um, 
I think being able to make a living doing what I want and having um, the flexibility that I have in my work now to also choose who I you know, want to work with mm, mm. and creating work that I am really proud of oh, and connecting that. with clients that are just, you know, beautiful. So, yeah. so much um, to be grateful for there. Yes, yes. And I, uh, word that you touched on there, flexibility. Whenever I'm working with clients, uh, and all my clients are female, but that is one thing that comes up time and time again is this desire to have a career but a career that allows them to do the mum thing and do the work thing mm. um, and on on their terms as well mm. uh, do you think that that uh, is easy to you know it's something that we really value but and when you put it into practice getting that flexibility it's easier when you have your own business yes. because you are in control. Yes. So some mornings I would be starting at 4am because I've got to pick up the kids at yeah. like 3 o'clock. Yeah. So I've got to get the work done. Yeah, right. Um, so that doesn't happen often and I don't mm. recommend it. But that's the flexibility you can have. Yes. Um, and then other days, you know, you just feel really zapped like yep. on a, by the end of the week I'm exhausted mm. so it's really nice to be able to clock off early pick up the kids and do something really lovely mm. and then maybe pick things back up on a Sunday mm. for a couple of hours mm. because you're fresher yeah so and you're more motivated to do that when you work for yourself if yes. you work for other people it's you know 4am starts and like two hours on a Sunday probably isn't yeah <laughs> what you yeah. want to do yeah do, would you say that you're working about the same amount of hours as what you were working it's it's the hours just slide a little bit throughout I the day and so. in terms of how you approach it yeah, yeah. I started off um probably working six days a week and I've tried to definitely stay within the five days because mm. I need the weekend to mm. uh, recharge mm. um, and also it's not sustainable like there's a reason why they've kind of come up with this 40 hour week it must be some sort of like golden um, amount of hours mm. so I think so it's just like where I fit it in as you say yeah yeah okay let's switch a little bit into Long and Co. and what type of business you are in? I know you have business, marketing, journalism, advertising, <laughs> all the things. Background. Yeah. Uh, what does Long and Co. do, and who are your clients? Uh, yeah. So Long and Co. Um, helps clients step out from the crowd and drive results, and we do that using strategy, brand, and a lot of digital like technology these mm. days. Mm. Um, we are um, an alternative to a traditional agency. So I used to work at um, agencies in Sydney. I used to work at an agency here in Newcastle. Um, and with a traditional agency, you have lots of people sitting under one roof. Mm -hmm. um, and Long & Co is like an agency, but we pull in people mm. um, based on the project. So. I don't have to pay for all these people under one roof, which is definitely a benefit. You pay simply for the time for the they spend on it. Yeah. yeah. And that means I can also get to people that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to afford mm. because I couldn't carry their pay mm. kind of 365 days mm. a year. Mm. Um, so that's good. And also just with the network economy now, a lot of the great people have actually left 
their kind of oh, agency really? roles. Interesting. To, yeah. So yeah. the people that are the best generally um, don't want to work for anyone else because they know they can sustain themselves. Mm. So then I saw the opportunity of connecting in those people um, to work on projects for clients. Yeah. Yeah. So who are some of your clients? Um, we work with uh, mid-level private held firms, so it mm. could be in construction building, um, worked in education, so universities, um, government corporations, mm-hmm. so more kind of placemaking, mm-hmm. um, and finance. Yep. It's really varied, yes. you know, like one could be a fintech that's yes. kind of really using like online to grow nationally and then another could be like an accounting firm mm. that just needs to maybe rejuvenate or refresh or clarify. Mm. Mm. Okay, what do you think is Long Co's, uh, you help people stand out from the crowd, how do you stand out from the crowd? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> <Girly> question. <laughs> Ooh, <too shy. laughs> um, to step out from the crowd you need to be clear Mm -hmm. so clarity um, can be in both the way that you look Mm. and what you say Mm. Um, and so we've been really conscious of how we present Mm. Um, so when um, like long and coast branding is bold and um, really kind of peeled back Mm but with a really kind of careful eye in terms of aesthetics um, and um, I guess just a clean look. Mm. Try and add a little bit more of a global vibe to the Mm -hmm. brand, which I think is different to Mm. what is in Newcastle Mm. and and even Australia to a Mm. certain extent. Mm. Um, But then also clarity in terms of what we do. So we sort of do, we plan, build and execute. So there's kind of three key steps to what we do. Um, And we kind of, my, I guess, differentiator is using strategy. Mm. So really thinking about what we've tried to do and then have a very purposeful approach to um, how we help clients and, and help ourselves. So talk to me about that that might be able to help the women that are listening to this that uh, maybe got young children and see a change on the horizon and thinking, oh, how am I going to do all of all of this? How am I going to go out on my own, create my own thing? Yeah, talk to me about that. Um, <laughs> so I think first of all, be pragmatic and be very forgiving of yourself. So mm. definitely be ambitious, but do not be thrown or overwhelmed at the kind of extent of what you're trying to achieve. Um, so as a mum, that means, you know, be a good mum, but don't, you know, feel bad about staying back at work or, you know, finishing an assignment because you're going to be a better mum if you are doing what you love and get your work done so that you can then focus um, back into the family. Mm. So I think just being kind to yourself mm. um, is a big part of it. Mm. Um, and then also just you don't know exactly how you're going to get there. So set a big goal and then just chip away at mm. it. And mm. it's incredible what can mm. happen when you just sort of like persevere and just put one foot in front of the other. And, um, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm big on planning, yeah. but also 
you kind of, you know, you have the plan within you to a certain extent too, so don't freak out. You know what you're doing. Yeah. Trust yourself and then just um, lean into it. Yeah, have those goals, but be probably generous on how long it takes you in some respects as well. Would you say that that has helped you a lot? Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, and also celebrate, you know, mm, like be grateful yes. and celebrate all the things that you have achieved. Yes. Um, so, yes, it definitely takes a lot longer than what you, you think it will. And that's totally okay. So enjoy the journey and the yes. process because otherwise you keep waiting for this like moment that you've arrived. Like you'd think, you know, opening an office, my God, that means I've arrived. I'm only at the beginning, yes. you know, like putting one foot in front of the other, scared shitless, mm. like mm. trying my very best mm. every day. And that hasn't changed. Yeah. I don't think it will change. Yes. Uh, do you and your husband have really you've been together for a long time so you know each other pretty well by now you've also grown together as well which I think is uh, really cool but over this last few years since going out on your own and saying that this is what you want to do how, how have those conversations looked uh, yeah <laughs> um Daniel is incredibly supportive yeah. and in fact I sort of pride myself in being strategic but I think he's actually the strategist yeah. in the relationship yeah. he's very um calm and mm. considered so whereas I can be more emotional and letting the fear get to me he will remind me to stay on course and he'll bring facts into the conversation gotta love me into that don't we <laughs> so i'll be like oh my god I'm, i don't even have a business i'm going out of business and he's like that's not true this quarter isn't great but remember last time like this time last year you said the same thing yeah. and i was like oh okay so he is so supportive and believes wow. which you really do need people mm. um, because self-belief is incredibly important but if you have um, people around you that can remind you that's incredible so he's just amazing wow but also he is um you know not a big risk taker so if he believes then it must be true yeah <laughs> yeah because um yeah he wouldn't back me if he didn't see it mm. so um mm. i think there's a lot of confidence in that and um i think as a marriage like he's just so happy that i'm happy yeah you know he was married to someone that was in corporate i used to come home and just like bang my head against yeah the table going ah this meeting and you know couldn't get an outcome and now like it's all on me like it's, yeah. if I want an outcome that's on me so I have to own that and drive that myself I can't just rely on the big corporate to sort of blame, blame everyone else because mm. it's just my fault if things don't happen now <laughs> yeah yeah and and in terms of balancing um, your children are a little bit older now so you're not in the early days of motherhood but still you have they're still under your roof <laughs> you still have obligations to them even if they can feed and clothe themselves yeah. <laughs> um, how, how do those conversations go in terms of you two that dynamic of balancing uh, mamahood, fatherhood, business is he in business as well? does he have his own so business? he is working in a private consultancy mm -hmm. um, in industry so yes he works and he in fact probably works bigger weeks than me mm. so he'd be averaging 50 hours wow. a week yeah. so we're both working a lot um, mm. and part of our 
um, story definitely is a huge gratitude to grandparents. Yeah. Um, so um, we have three kids, two in primary school and one in high school. Um, it definitely gets easier because you don't have the you know sick kids at home and the, the childcare costs and the mm. you know. Um, but at the same time, then you have other challenges. Yeah. You might have where like out maybe four or five days a week at different sporting kind of dropping off, picking up. Um, and again, it just comes back to, you know, relaxing into it. Mm. It's totally fine to eat dinner at like 7, 7.30. That's just like how we do it. Um, and, you know, yes, the house can be a little bit messy. And, you know, like our kids try and then manage us to go, Mom, you have to sign this like paper. It's been there for like, you know, three days. You still haven't signed it. So... I think we're racing really resilient and yeah. organised kids <laughs> yeah. because there's a little bit of chaos around yeah. them so they have to step in at times. Yeah, yeah. Has, has communication between you two through this last few years uh, been really important? Oh, and so much. Yeah. Um, how do you balance... Uh, so both my husband and I have businesses, but I think when both of you have careers and you're so committed to them... We were just having a conversation about this last night about our boundaries around not bringing work home, even because both of us work from home, but how do you even establish that? Is that something you've gotten better at? Do you both love talking about your work so it's not a drama? Yeah. How do you do? We both do love to talk about um, the work because Daniel I guess is quite strategic mm. and entrepreneurial he's got a lot of value to yeah. add um, whether whether it's talking about people people management budgeting strategy um, solutions new ideas you know we can talk about so many things um, it hasn't ever been a problem in our marriage um, where you know I bring something up and he goes oh not yeah. this again <laughs> sometimes though I think he probably wants yeah. to like shut me up but he's generally um, really interested and engaged mm. and I think that is so important um, and it's not always the case in a marriage it's a lot to expect I think I've just been lucky mm. um, and if you have to separate the two um, you know maybe that can work but I think I am better for not having to set those boundaries mm. Mm. and and that's probably something that you've agreed on with both together it's always uh, hard when one wants it one way and the other wants another way but if you both agree that this is this fuels you and it actually makes your partnership better then it's okay to bring bring work home yeah. so to speak i think yeah. it again comes back to kind of relaxing yeah. into it yeah. you know we don't have any big hard rules on it also i am sick of talking about it at times so yeah. it works itself out yeah. like we don't always yeah. talk about work yeah there's other things to like yes yes cool i love that um something that has come up a little bit for me uh with my clients as well especially I've had a few clients in this past year that are new mamas or their children are a bit younger and uh, what I've what I understand can happen is that motherhood can change your confidence a lot and uh, sometimes it can probably make you more confident but what I'm hearing more so is that your confidence takes a bit of a hit uh, 
especially if you've come from that corporate environment or that very structured environment and uh, perhaps male dominated so you've really had to step up to uh, be seen in that space and then suddenly you're a mum it might take you out of work for a little bit how how's confidence looked for you over this last how old is your um, my oldest is 13 yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and that journey of uh, rebuilding that if, if that's been something that you've experienced uh, that's a good question mm. I think uh, motherhood is really a very humbling and vulnerable mm. experience um, it's sort of really uh, you're questioning who you are as a person you lose part of your identity mm. to motherhood mm. and in some ways you grieve that identity that you lost and can feel actually quite resentful mm. um, that you don't you can't go to the toilet by yourself anymore you can't have a conversation with a colleague you are stuck at home pureeing mm. apple <laughs> and you know you smell like sour milk yeah. that is definitely the reality of motherhood and I've been there um, you don't know you know you, you don't kind of go oh I've lost my confidence now I'm vulnerable now you look back on that and you realize mm. that that's how it felt um, but at the same time because it is so humbling I think that kind of pulling you down into reality of what the world can be a really really good way of grounding you and kind of creating a stronger foundation mm. for confidence mm. so you sort of had to be pulled down a bit to yeah. be able to rebuild in a probably more of a wholesome way <laughs> yes yes uh yeah i talk about that uh as your breakdown to breakthrough you usually have to go uh to the bottom to then like rise up because that's how that's how life goes peaks and troughs peaks and troughs and so yeah and 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 everything is just a little test isn't it from the from the universe and like you said you've you've become quite resilient so over time that has probably supported you a lot in terms of uh the environment that you've come from in corporate and then going out on your own you, you have cultivated that that resilience and I think motherhood as well really probably tests tests that I'm sure you know like what am I what am I really made of here <laughs> that's oh, yes yeah. I heard um a quote the other day that you know 99 percent um of success in business comes down to mindset mm. so resilience and mindset is what separates successful businesses from unsuccessful businesses mm. Mm. because once you sort of start um, crumbling in the mindset um, it's easy to give up or mm. it's easy to make decisions that are not strategic and not good for your business you start compromising and that's when you can really start um, yeah, losing your way mm. and making decisions probably out of fear uh, you know out of cons and and sometimes you, you are put on the spot with decisions, with calls, with clients and things like that. But uh, I, I certainly know for myself and having a small business, is if, if I'm starting to feel that fear coming in and, and that driving the decisions, not 
uh, fueling it in a positive way because I think fear can also be a really positive driver. You said that right at the beginning. Uh, when you make decisions from that scarce place, it, it has a flow on effect long term, even though short term it feels in the moment doesn't. It's like, I'm just going to make a call and yeah, so. It's um, fear is something that I am trying to um, welcome these mm. days. So mm. I try and welcome fear as my friend because then if I feel scared, it means that I am expanding mm. and I'm doing something that is very uncomfortable, which means that it's going to be better. Yes. Um, because I'm being stretched and tested. So I am trying <laughs> my very best to think of um, anytime I'm scared, I try and welcome it yeah. um, and, and try and make the most out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I love that. That's really good advice for anyone starting out as well is really embrace that fear. Hopefully don't have it lift your cortisol too much that it impacts everything else, your health and things. But yeah, fear can be a good little um, indicator. I think you're 100% right. Every time I've gone into something where I've felt a little bit of fear, it's usually the times when I'm you know, doing something bigger than what I've done before. Um, and you, and going into it knowing that you don't know all of the answers and not saying that you're, uh, you know, totally making it up as you go, but sometimes you will be a bit in the, in the beginning. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> in the, at the all end, the time. Too. All the time, <laughs> making it up as you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my clients. <laughs> Absolutely. But yes, yes and no. So I think we do, um, again, coming back to clarity, if you are clear about your purpose and what you're trying to do and who you are, mm. a lot of the answers are within you. So while it might feel like you're making it up, you are actually guided by uh, that clarity within you. So um, I think just spending time being a little bit introspect in terms mm. of figuring out who you are and what you're all about mm. can be a really strong um guide for you yes yes because when things feel like they're getting a bit off track you can always bring yourself back to that that's that's also a mechanism sometimes to calm the fear as well okay it's like it's like doing a meditation but for your business <laughs> yeah and I think this whole kind of being thrown off track you know when you're when you're feeling very oh you know yeah. like you don't know where you're going um, kind of coming back to yourself and grounding yourself and not trying to resist what's happening around mm. you because change is happening mm. And, mm. and change is very often outside of our control mm. anyway. Yes. It's how we sort of respond to the change that we can control and once you sort of come back to yourself and realise that, mm. then you can kind of put yourself back in the driver's seat. Yes. And that, I think, is when you sort of start feeling more in control and the fear kind of then just kind of subsiding into more of a flow. Yes. Yes. Oh, so good. That's that's a gold moment, that one. Cat. <laughs> okay, let's talk about small business uh, because effectively you run a small business, but you work with big, big businesses. So you're, you're running those two uh, at the same time in parallel. And I'd love to talk a little bit deeper about marketing strategy, social media, 
for the women who are in the startup phase or in the small business, maybe they have a couple of contractors or a couple of team members. I want to talk about, yeah, marketing strategy, social media for that level of business, uh, because I'm sure you have a, a lot of big business knowledge that can still be applied at that early stage level. Something I notice is that when we start a business, we want to get all of our social media accounts and <laughs> we want to have a presence on social media because it's a relatively, it's not easy, but it's a free way right now. And, and obviously advertising will come into that for a lot of businesses at a certain point. But initially when you start up, you can go, hey, I'm open for business, here I am. But I know that slowly but surely uh, we can, that can also become a stress for us is how do I show up consistently? How do I create a digital presence? What do you notice people stress about most and what could help them, I guess, alleviate that? And maybe biz, big business also feels the same too because there's a pressure for them to show up consistently oh, that's really yeah. interesting yeah so i think in some ways small business um are ahead of big business because they have to use the tools that are free and available to them mm. whereas big business have been able to sit out from that a little bit and sort of screw up their face a little bit and think that that's a fad that's just going to pass <laughs> yes. which yes. is ridiculous um, so small business what do they need to think about in building a digital and social mm. presence um, I would start with a cup of tea and a paper and a pen and just, you know, start with clarity. Mm. You know, who are you and what are you all about? What yeah. is your purpose? Yeah. Um, once you become clear on that, which is a lot of work, um, to kind of refine what is it that gets you up in the morning? Like, what are you all about? Why do you exist? Once you're clear about that, a lot of things fall into place. Yeah. Um, so from that, you become really clear about what sets you apart. Mm. And once you're clear about what sets you apart, you have focus. Mm. Once you have focus, you can then kind of dial in all your resources into one area instead of, you know, spreading them across a whole heap of different things and burning out in the process. Mm. Um, and then also you then be clear, you become clear about what you do for people because you start a business and you don't even know what you do let alone you know why you do it mm. so just um spending the time to create that clarity for yourself will then help you understand how you're going to connect with your customers mm. um so you know social media yes open your social accounts but you know yes have clarity and start kind of you know the thinking but also saying that don't be afraid to just start yes. as well yes so have maybe a half a day of thinking at least before you open your account um and then document your journey mm, okay don't wait for the big photo shoot and the big reveal people um connect and are very supportive of small businesses mm. More so than the big businesses, mm. you know. Mm. So just start your account, put yourself out there and go, this is me, this is what I'm doing. You know, if you look back on Long & Co Social, like there was no budget for photography. There was, you know, I had no idea about social media, which is like my kind of bread and butter now. 
Yeah, I used to work. Like, I was a CMO. I used to write board papers. Mm. I had a team of people that would do social. So I didn't know how, like, an ads manager. I didn't know that platform. Um, you know, like how to edit my profile in Instagram. I didn't know any of those technical things. Mm. Um, but Google yeah. has been amazing. Yeah. More so than my MBA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in that aspect. So you can figure it out. Like, yes. you, you know, you're clever. Information is available to you. Um, and just start. Yes. And how important on that would you say uh, listening to the feedback from your audience? So once once you're building a following and they start to interact with uh, certain things more than others, they're commenting, asking for more of this, but don't really respond to that. How important do you think it is to continually respond to that feedback so that you get that clarity on, like, who am I building this for as well? Um, I would almost turn that upside down and say not at all important. Interesting. That is a little bit controversial. Yeah, yeah. So it comes down to what you think is important for you. Because people will um, engage with the most strange things. Yes. And if you let yourself be distracted by that and follow that rabbit down that rabbit hole, you might actually move away from your purpose. Mm. So trust yourself. Mm. Be Welcome the engagement if it's something positive. But you might quite like... We, we have... We know of people with 40,000 followers that put up an event and can't get anyone to attend. Mm. So it, you know, numbers and engagement can be a real distraction. Mm. Um, I think that's why you need to return back to what you think is right for you. Mm. And if no one engages or responds and you are happy with that, that's all that matters. Exactly. And probably what I would add to that is uh, people aren't always voicing uh, their opinion on social media they're not you don't always know what's what they're taking on board as well in terms of they might not comment because the stats are so in favor of consumption rather than creation it's something like 90 percent of people consume and only 10 percent actually create content on a regular basis for the purpose of engaging with their audience and so knowing that it's like well I might only have a few people that actually comment or engage but there's a whole lot of people out there that are taking on board what I'm the, saying the quiet majority yeah the quiet majority 100% <laughs> and yeah it's, it, you're right as long as you're staying true to your lane as well um, because it can be easy to to pick up little bits of feedback and then also be constantly uh, responding I think to that. It is a it's a balance because mm. you want to be in tune with what's happening mm. um, and what people are engaging with, but also not be reactive. Mm. And yes. So I think you know maybe eighty percent stay in your lane and twenty percent taking mm. um, mm. feedback. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. I love that. Uh, in terms of marketing for small business, a lot of people come into starting small business with no marketing experience and uh, 
probably don't don't realize the value that marketing has and and it, and it actually becomes everything it's a huge part of it uh, which is why you do what you do what would be a couple of things that people can focus on you mentioned um, clarity getting clear on like why you're doing what you're doing uh, I guess with that who you want to serve like how you can help them anything else under that marketing umbrella that you think is really important where you've seen even where you've seen results with big clients and you know that could be applied to a smaller scale if you have a small business definitely start with social media because it's free and available to you um, social media you can actually connect one-on-one mm. with your mm. customer which mm. is insane mm. so I am DMing yeah. CEOs really which is like a mind-blowing experience but you can only really do that if you build trust mm. and if you can add value so it takes time you know it's not um, uh, it might have taken three and a half years to yes. get to that point. So you need to earn your way to it. But, um, you know, starting with clarity, adding value, using social media in a respectful way, definitely more so than a website. Then maybe website comes second. Mm. If you have a website, you know, Squarespace, great platform. That was my first website. Went into WordPress now. That's also great probably a little bit um a stronger foundation um but you know just a one page website be really thoughtful about how you want to present because people buy um based on impressions of what they've seen online Mm. so you really want to put your best foot forward Mm. Um, and it doesn't have to be an expensive technical stack as long as it's clear and appealing um, and presents you in a really um, great way. Yeah. Um, so I think social first, then website, and then, you know, maybe the first thing is actually just be a good person and yeah. care about what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned the DMing CEOs. Before all of that, how important for you has building relationships been? Uh, starting a small business and you've had a history in corporate but then sometimes that doesn't always translate uh, like the way that you think it would Um, how has relationship building played a part in in growing your business have you been able to transfer those relationships or have you been starting from scratch a little bit so people buy from people Mm. um when i was working in corporate my friends would sort of laugh at me a little bit with love going oh you know cats out for a coffee i was always having coffee with people outside of my organization so um i used to work for a national um, health fund and you can disappear into that world a little bit and become um insular in thinking that you know that is the, that is the bubble and mm. everything happens within the bubble and you forget that that bubble is sitting in the world there's a whole big world out there with lots of other things happening so i was for whatever reason always very mindful of building relationships outside of my organization which i would say 
if there's corporates out there that are looking to start yes. their own business, start building relationships outside of your immediate workplace. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, nurture relationships. Be polite. Always, you know, if you're meeting someone, think about how you can add value to them. It's not a, a taking relationship. It's a giving relationship. And how can you lift other people up? Yes, yes, 100%, 100%. Even if that person, it might feel a little bit scary because either they're another person in business that's further ahead than you or they are a CEO. Um, the last thing you said on that, how can you add value to their journey? There will be a way that you can do that, even though it seems like they've got it all together and they're further ahead yeah, is, is there anything that you could say in terms of specifics of how you used to add value to those relationships other than connecting and, and maintaining a relationship? But um, what would you do for those people to... Um, adding value. So I think don't um, be contrite in adding value. Just be normal. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just be a normal person. And, you know, have something... Um, to bring them, whether it is a good story or just being on time or buying the coffee yeah. or following up with an email with an article that yeah. they might find interesting. Um, but don't become gross and really kind of very like conniving in yeah. you know, the value that you're supposedly adding. Just be normal. Yeah. Um, and another thing I'd say is people are just people whether mm. you're a CEO or a, an account manager or like a junior on the floor they're all the same mm. they're just people mm. and they have the same fears and the same challenges and they just want to connect yes. with people that are people yes 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 and sometimes that brings some newness and something interesting to their day as well so why can't you be that for them yeah yeah Amazing. I love that. That's uh, such a great way to end this conversation because uh, you and I are a great example of uh, you asked me to come in and have a coffee with you. Let's connect. And we didn't know each other and you never know where that's going to head for both of us in the future. But planting that seed now we have a podcast episode Thank together. You. <laughs> um, so yeah, long, long may this friendship continue. Thank yeah. you very much. Um, so thank you, Kat, for your wise words and all your experience and supporting my community with all of that. Such a privilege to yes. be here. Yay! Okay.